Three idiots, one podcast. One sees himself as a gazelle trapped in a hippo's body. One has club thumbs and a head that is too big. One has a child-sized head and breaks down more than a rusty old pickup. All three are idiots. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of Three Idiot Brothers Podcasting. This week we're going to be tackling a little more serious issue. So hopefully this will be meaningful to everybody and hopefully we can help someone. Uh, before we get into that though, I do think two idiots have a couple stories to share. So whichever one of you want to go first. Well, part of being an idiot, in my case anyway, is not being able to find things. And by that, I mean, ever since I was a small boy, uh, dad would send me on errands to go find things. Uh, usually when he was working on projects or whatever, he would need a tool. And it was never like a screwdriver. It was always like a flip stick torque wrench or something like that. <laughs> It's something I've never even heard of. Uh, and, and he would be like, I need this. It's, it's right in there. Can you go grab it? So I would go in there, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, first of all, I would pretend like I knew what he was talking about when he would say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Dad, I got it, I got it. <laughs> and then I go in there, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking for right now. <laughs> Please, hoping, Lord, jump into my hand. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping that there's a label on it. That says lipstick pork wrench, and I don't know exactly where it's at, and I can just take it right to him. Well, to no avail, I would never find the thing. I would stand in the same spot, just turning my head back and forth for about five minutes until dad would walk in and say, It's right here. And lo and behold, it would be right in front of my eyes. And he would be like, It's right here. I'm like, Oh, great. So apparently, I haven't grown out of that because Tiffany was asking me to look for wipes, cleaning wipes. Um, and I went into the room where we keep all the cleaning stuff. But I'm you know looking what around. cleaning wipes are. What's that? But you know what cleaning wipes <laughs> yeah, are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew exactly what I was looking for, <laughs> but I didn't. I couldn't find it. I walked in, I looked around, I didn't see it anywhere. I'm like, I don't know. I guess we're out of them. I don't know. So I left. So Tiffany walks in. Like two seconds later, she walks out holding them in her hand. And she's like, they were right there, like on top of this box. How did you not see them? I'm like, I don't know, because I'm an idiot and I'm programmed not to be able to see things that I'm looking for. Did you do the patented, you know, grab Pocket your pants, see if they're in the pockets? Yeah. Could be looking uh, for the engine. Is it in there? Nope. Yeah. Put it in my pockets today. I think instinctively I always do that, but just the way it always is with me. I, I can never find anything. That I'm looking for. You know, the pocket check is not just an instinctive thing. It's a it's a nature versus nurture issue because not only do all the kids do it, my wife does it when she's trying to find, you know, where, where is this at? And then I'll see your pat, and I'm like, ah, I saw you do the, the pocket pat. Yeah. I know you did it. So it's well, it's just you can't get away from it. And you know what's funny is is we watched I think I think it was a preacher, uh, he was just talking about the differences between men and women, um, and about not being able to find things. And he he talked about this one study that they did, where they actually had the woman cook the dinner and she used butter and they told her 
to place the butter right on the second shelf at the very front. And then some point during dinner, ask for your husband to go up and get the butter. So they did it like 10 times or how, how many times they did it. And I would say, honey, can, can you please go get the butter? He'd get up, open the fridge, get down on his knees, and look all over the fridge. Try to find it. And the whole time, it's right in front of him. But nine out of ten times, he think it's not there. It's like when you're looking for something, you can't see it. But with that, there's, there's actually something that's uh, a science reason for that, too, they said, was that men were hunters, so they would not focus on one small thing. They're better at looking at, like, the horizon, looking far and trying to catch something moving in the background to, to try to go hunt it and feed the family. Whereas women were more cleaning and things, so that that's one of the reasons why why that is. I thought that was interesting that you were talking about that. I just want to say that I think women can hunt just as well as men. But these are Marcus's <laughs> thoughts that are coming out about the women cleaning. I don't know where that came from. Right. Um, that is a Marcus No, listen. That doesn't mean I won't clean. I'll take. I'll I never take, once said that I wouldn't clean. I'll take paper towels and I'll clean with a fury. I don't think you will, Marcus. You're making that point perfectly clear that you go hunt, you clean. <laughs> I mean, way, way, way to turn a perfectly good science talk into something about me saying women can't hunt and I only go hunt. So, appreciate sure that. what you said. Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know. I, I have I have a question. For example, um, this this whole thing as we're talking now about you know, being being politically correct when we're talking about roles and stuff in the past and what they are now. What's your opinion if a woman strikes a man and then the man strikes back? I don't think striking should be done. 99% of the time anyway. But but here's yeah, here's my true. thing because in the no and I agree but in in the eyes you know of the law nine almost 100% of the time if the man strikes back he's going to be taken away. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't is, know she the a, is she a UFC fighter? <laughs> I think I think that should be always considered. Well, because here's – so I, I watched this documentary on, on Netflix. It was called Last Chance You. Oh, and, I know that. Yeah. 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 And there, there was a quarterback on there that got uh, sent away from Florida or wherever he did, Florida State. I can't remember where he played football. But he struck a woman, but the video shows, like, the woman coming over to him and being very hostile, trying to hit him, trying to do different things. And he tried to turn away, and she kept – going at him and finally he hit her back yeah i mean well, i think there's a, a touchy a situation and i just i don't think a man should ever hit a woman but at the same time i feel like that's also viewing it from the old ways it's not really yeah there's a point it. of maybe um self-defense i mean uh, but that could go either way whether it's a man man woman woman man woman whatever it's just it's something me and Jennifer's talked about, and I just I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I just yeah. think it's a debate that it's uh, a yeah, it's definitely a hot topic. I mean, I can see. I mean, because how far do you push? You know, because I'm all for equality and women and doing that things, but 
at some point, I feel like s some people out there view it as equality only for the good things and and not a total equality, if that makes sense. Well, only, I mean, equality, only equality to benefit the good and, and not total equality. And I think, I mean, I think it's important to understand differences too. And I mean, just biologically, men are on average, I mean, you can look at averages bigger. Yeah, hundred percent. So, and and so that generally will mean that they're stronger. At, now I'm not saying that you know I mean there's obviously women that are stronger than all of us, you know, all of us here. But I'm just, uh, I mean, if you're just looking biologically, you can't. You can't well, and women were put behind the eight ball because of what we talked about before, where they were they were in the past just cleaning and taking care of the house they weren't doing the the hunting and the the more physical mm -hmm. things so I, I think that put them behind the eight ball to being on the same physical level as, as you know men overall now but, all that being said i think that their pain tolerance i oh, would, yeah i would tend to guess because of childbirth that their pain tolerance is far greater than most men right um, well and, and that's another one i feel like their pain tolerance is better in certain circumstances right yes. um so like when jennifer goes to pop a pimple on my face that hurts yeah to me worse than anything like i hate to get a pimple <laughs> on my face but yet when i wrestled like i would have skin <laughs> ripped off my face from where someone was putting their head against mine and that didn't hurt that didn't bother me mm. so it's like yeah the it, it, it's like it depends on what, and maybe it's just a mental thing for me. Well, I don't like, want this, but wrestling, I'm trying probably, to beat you. So there's probably hormones involved there too. Like your uh, your testosterone is probably amped up, and yeah, that's probably true. Your adrenaline is probably amped up, which is probably keeping you from feeling it as much. To go back to the the hitting people, I think, especially Marcus, what you were talking about with the the last chance you and stuff there's always things that are going to be exceptions to every situation one is if you're a world-class athlete there's no excuse to allow any of that stuff to happen to be put in a bad situation so then it comes down to what could you do versus what did you do if if you're in a, a public place like that and somebody keeps doing that just leave that's all you got to do. And, and by staying there, you're kind of allowing this to escalate. And it, you have to de-escalate as much as you can. And, and I, don't, I don't want what I said to be misconstructed. I, I felt like he should have got punished. But the, the issue that I have with it sometimes is I felt there should have been two punishments. Where the one was a punishment and the one was a victim. Where I felt like she... She wasn't as much of a victim as a participant, if you will. So I feel that that's what that's where I was coming from with it. I feel like both should have been punished, not just the one. I guess if you're looking at the equality standards and what really truly transpired in that one circumstance. Now, obviously, there's domestic abuse where the woman does absolutely nothing, and that's completely separate. But on this one where she was antagonizing, doing the hitting, starting it, and then once it all came out, 
was the victim in the whole thing when clearly on the video you could see it was a different story uh but like i said i felt like in that case both of them should have been probably kicked out of school instead of just the one well and the other the other part of that too though is even though there might be a video that shows stuff something could have been going on for weeks or months or whatever that you don't know about it either so it's always hard to go by just off a video but so like like if Ray Rice would have come out and said, well, she hit me first in the elevator, I, I don't think it matters. You're a world-class athlete that can bench 400 pounds, and you knocked her out and then drug her out of that elevator. I don't think there's any excuse or reason for that, whether she hits you first or not. So here, I guess here's my question for you then. Say he's not a world-class athlete. What, what's your view on that? I still think then it comes down to what could you do versus what did you do leave get out of the situation now and like mikey said there might be a time when there is truly it's a self-defense issue which is self-defense no matter how you paint it and and i'll i'll share a story that actually happened to me when i was in middle school when i was playing baseball you know when i was in seventh grade you had time from the eighth grade would practice first and then you would practice next so me and, and one of our friends, we went to Subway and like we did every day, we were walking and there was these two, two girls and I think they were a year older than us walking in front of us. And me and me and my friend are just having a normal conversation about baseball, walking, walking down the street. And all of a sudden they start like, you know, yelling at us and everything and will come up behind us and, and like hit us and do all kinds of things. And it's like, do you not understand what I could do to you? Like, I I could really hurt you if I was a different person. Like, you you don't know anything about me, and I've never met you before in my life. I wasn't ever talking to you, but yet you're coming up behind me and my friend and hitting us and yelling at us and and doing and and doing different things and like throwing sticks at us. It's like, why we we did absolutely nothing to you guys. Like we're, we're literally just talking about baseball and baseball practice. And we finally get to the gas station and are able to walk out the other door without them noticing us because they were stupid. Didn't realize the gas station had another door. But it's just that situation where, like I said, I, I'm a stronger guy. Like you have, you have They had no idea if, if I had a short fuse what I could have done. And that, and that's where, like, if I would have done something, I would have been in trouble. But that whole that whole walk for 15 minutes, like, they were antagonizing us, wanting us to do something. You're right. And for, for 15 minutes, it, it sucked. But, and, and like you're saying, you know, they don't know who you are, but you know who you are. So you can't control what they may get into later on if they do it to the wrong person but you could control what they did when they got into it with you and you did and you handled it the only way you could and you got out of the situation. So, I mean, I think that was the the best thing you can do under those circumstances. And, you know, I think sometimes people, especially, well, I almost say especially because I I don't know, but it seems to me that men always got to feel like they got to show everybody how tough they are. So, you know, it doesn't matter who hits me. If you hit me, it's on. Well, why? Why does it have to be? Why does it have to be a fight? You know, if, if, if no damage was done, 
no damage was done. So, yeah, does it suck? Yeah, did somebody maybe watch you get hit by somebody? Yeah, so what? You know, I guess to me, that's what it comes down to. What is the gravity of the situation? And, and you're right with the whole the men scenario on, on trying to show that you're tougher, but knowing when to walk away. I mean, luckily, like I said, me and my friend knew to walk away in that situation and, and not do anything because I didn't want to, for one, get myself in trouble. Um, but, you know, just that whole situation of men trying to show that they're tougher than others. Um, that was a lot of my problem when I was in high school was I was always viewed as the tough guy and the the guy that was the strongest and the no-nonsense guy. And obviously, you guys know me. That's really not who I am. I like to have fun, joke around, and I'm sensitive. That's that's who I am. But that's you like to, you like to cuddle. You like I like to cuddle. I'm like on the beach. Yeah, exactly. I like to cuddle. I'm sappy. Um, <laughs> you definitely like to cuddle because you would. I mean. All growing up, that's all you would do. I'm a cuddler. Ask ask Jennifer. I love to cuddle. I will not. I will not go against that whatsoever. But in but when I was in in high school, I I didn't show it at school. Like that was you, you couldn't show you couldn't show the sensitive side when you're when you're playing athletics or or you're the the lineman on the team or anything like that. And I think some of that was was the problem I had going through through school so i wasn't being i feel like who i really was well and and that's probably something we're going to hit on in a little bit when we start talking about some other things too but um marcus you had a funny story too yeah i do have a funny story before i mean we've already gotten serious but i do have a funny one this one just shows that it's not just three idiot brothers but it's really a family family affair um so we're a family full of idiots? Is that what you're saying? Say, yeah. So, it, yeah. So we could really change our name to Family Idiots. Uh, <laughs> but, um, well, you know, with the pandemic, they're finally opening some things up. So we went to, on Memorial Day, we went to some of the grave sites for her family. Um, and afterwards, we were up by Caesars Creek. So we went for a little picnic. Obviously, that's a very long drive. And we were, we were out traveling for, I don't Probably about five hours or so that day. The parks are open, but the bathrooms are still closed. So Jennifer had to go to the bathroom, and so did Ava. So we picked a very secluded area. And um, there are porta pots at Caesars Creek. Did you know that? Apparently, you didn't. No, we're, we didn't see any. We passed five bathrooms and checked them all, and they were still. At locked. the beach, there was because we were just there too. The beach, the beach was packed. Like there, there was a line to get in there. Um, but, uh, we went to a secluded area. I held Ava and I helped her go to the bathroom, uh, in, in the woods and Jennifer's going to the bathroom. And I will also say three days prior to that, we both just got brand new cell phones and she sticks hers in her back pocket. And as she goes to use the bathroom, it falls out. She doesn't know it falls out. So she then proceeds to go to the bathroom and goes, what's on what's on the ground? And then stands up and lo and behold, peed right on her cell phone. Um, so I was then making the joke with her family if they knew 
cell phone companies carried a urination policy. So if you pee on your phone, it was covered. Would that be um, a, an early urination fee? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Nice. Um, but no, I thought, I mean, I thought that was, that was pretty good on her part. I mean, I feel like if, if I'm sharing mine, the very first podcast and she laughs at me and tells everybody, I might as well tell everybody about her story too. So. Well, yeah, that one, can't that can't end bad for you at all. No, not yeah, at all. Right. I mean, one, you were okay with everybody knowing because you would tell everybody about your pee story. <laughs> you did you tell everybody. Yeah, you said it on a podcast. Hers is a private moment that she probably didn't want everybody to know that she pee peed on her phone. She knew when she agreed to me doing this podcast that she was going to be in some of the stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, wow. so. Did her does her phone st- is she still using the same yeah. phone? <laughs> yeah, well, I just bought them, so she's going to use it for a while. But uh, I'd, I'd say it's they're like one. waterproof for three feet, and I'd, I'd put it about four feet down then and wait for it to just ruin. And <laughs> well, she so she dumped water on it, but she held it upside down and dumped it like right in the charging port. So I'm like, great, so now that's not going to work. That's good work, okay. yeah. Luckily, it still works and everything, but I mean, she peed on the phone case, so she, she just took the phone case off and was good to go. That's pretty nasty. That is nasty. If, if she had done it on the screen, it'd have been ten times worse. She would have got. She would have wanted me to get her new phone at that point. <laughs> Tiffany, at one at a a. Uh, sorry to jump in, but Tiffany. Actually, I'm not sorry. I wanted to jump in. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany at a field trip when she was in, I think, high school, senior year, maybe. She dropped her camera at this time. You know, this was, I don't know, almost 20 years ago. So it was like an actual camera, not on her phone. She dropped the camera. It was in the case, but she dropped it in the porta potty. No. Down in the blue juice no. of the porta potty. And she fished it out. And those bodies go deep. And this is what we her whole arm in there, and I just see her face right on the seat. Like, <laughs> trying to reach, get that last little inch to grab I it. just see her feet sticking up out of the hole like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both arms were blue. She came home. It was it was hilarious. Now, now she uh, she was able to get it. Her arms are blue. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, she didn't have to put her hand in the filth. But and you still married her. Yeah, that was a tough one. That was one I had on the list to think about, but <laughs> to kind of transition from your uh, schooling situation where you were viewed as the tough guy and and that, just to kind of share some of my serious stuff, I guess. Yeah, but the water show how tough you were. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say when you were telling the story. Uh, they were trying. You were trying to say that you know a man wants to show how tough he is. I, I thought, well, they could just headbutt something. I mean, that <laughs> worked for me for a that while. Yeah. a scar. She's dating scars. <laughs> well, nothing yeah. says how tough you are, but like scars. Exactly. Like, you know what's funny about that is when I told when I was wrestling and I got scars on my forehead, I actually told that to Jennifer over a text and spelled scars wrong. I spelled scares. <laughs> I'm shocked. You always throw uh, those E's in. She's like, what do you mean chicks dig scares? I'm like, oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Boo, baby. Boo. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. 
see the pod or well listen to the podcast about the spelling bees, right? <laughs> hey, by the way, I did change the name on Facebook. I saw oh, that. Yeah, we it's saw. Great. Yeah, it's about about time. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I always. I guess I just always we just cut you them. off. <laughs> That's yeah. That's fine. I, you're still talking. How, what's the What's the go to where you start talking and stop talking that I can jump in? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> if you're going to continue on with your story, please, the floor is yours. No, no, no. You don't ruin it now. <laughs> I just I never understood that uh, macho bravado bullcrap of. You, know, you got to talk smack, and you got to be tough, and you got to be willing to f- look. That doesn't affect how fast you can throw a baseball, or your bat speed, or if you can make a tackle, or if you can read a quarterback, or make a block. None of that stuff's impacted by all of that. It doesn't. It doesn't make any difference. So because your sappy notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, I, I agree a hundred percent. I hope that like, and I don't know, Chuck. Maybe you can, since you have kids in high school. But I think. Some of that has shifted a little bit. I mean, it seems like uh, kids are a little more accepting of, um, I mean, they can be cruel. I'm not trying to say there's still not issues, but it seems like they could be more accepting with, with people being themselves somewhat or what they think themselves is. <laughs> it's it's hard. And I think this, this kind of goes into right where we were going to right. end up going anyway. Um, and I'll try not to take up all of our time, just me talking, but there's, you know, I, the first thing I want to stress, especially to, to parents, is to watch and pay attention to your kids. And, you know, it's not, it's not always a, an early development issue that you can find that there's something going on. You know, depression can, can hit at any time. And anxiety can hit at any time. And then sometimes there's underlying causes for things that, that you don't know. But when you start putting things together and, and you start thinking about a, a long-term uh, situation for your child, if, if you're seeing the same things, don't be afraid to, to get them help. And I think that's the, the, the hardest part for any parent to do is to say, hey, I I think my, my child needs needs some help. And whether and they're gonna tell you they're fine. That's the kid's stock answer for everything. And you know, like like you were saying, kids are more accepting now, only to a certain extent. And a lot of times it's it's a lot of instances it's worse now because of the social bullying. Right. Social that's media. where you know, kids you see them committing suicide because they're bullied on social media. Yeah. And it's got to stop. And there's there's no there's no point in doing it. And I will never understand what somebody gets out of it. Um, and, you know, bullying somebody until they're the point of they want to hurt you or themselves. I I will never, like I said, never understand what they get out of that. And, and there's no point in any of it. Um, and I think mental health is. In my opinion, which I'm not a doctor or anything, it's just my opinion, is the most important issue that we have for anybody under the age of 30. 30 on down to birth. I think that's the most important thing because 
I'm, I will, I'm not afraid to say it, that, that I have depression. And, and so I take medicine for it. And there was a time recently that I stopped taking my medicine. And um, you know, my, my wife hung in there with me for a couple years. And I was not, I just wasn't me. But when you are in that position, you don't realize that. I mean, you can look back and think that you are frustrated and, and you, know, you, you find all these excuses of why all these things are happening. But then you realize once you get back on your medicine again, it's just me. I, you know, I was being a jerk that caused some of these other things to happen. And I'm sure there's other situations or circumstances that, that something happened. Like it wasn't all me, but for the most part, it was me. And then I was having an impact on her and her life and how she was feeling. And then the impact it has on my kids, you know, our kids, when, when they see me down and I don't even realize it or whatever. I think it's important for everybody to realize that. And if you see your kid going through it, there's there's all kinds of places to go and get help and call and get help. Um, and it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be easy to get to, especially if you live in Pickaway County like we do, because there's not many options here. But there are places. And you know, if, if anybody out there listening does have questions about that, you definitely email us. Uh, message us on Facebook. Uh, I think we have a Twitter account now. I don't know what it is, but we have one. Uh, send, send us a message private, or if you know me, send me a private message. But there are places like On Our Sleeve, and there's places like ViaQuest. And if all else fails, you go to Children's Hospital. Do not ever take anything somebody says lightly. If somebody says, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to kill myself, let, let's be safe. Let's err on the side of caution and, and take them where they can be safe for a day or two. Um, and, and a lot of times that's going to end up being either Children's Hospital or OSU. So, and, and don't be afraid to do it. And don't think you're, you're going to just tough it out. And I hear so many people say, oh, when we were kids, we would just tough things out. You know, we just got beat when we were acting up. Okay, well, <laughs> that would be like saying... Somebody gets in a car accident and breaks their neck, and you don't understand because you were in a car accident last week and you didn't break your neck. It doesn't. It doesn't correlate. It's not the same thing. It doesn't matter how you are if you, if you don't have any of these symptoms or signs or you're not depressed. That's great, but that doesn't mean that somebody else isn't, and it doesn't mean that it's not serious for them. And so the things you do, the things you say, and the way you behave impacts somebody who is struggling. And that's why I always tell it when, when we get done with our podcast, well, I always tell you to be kind because there's a difference between being kind and being mean. And when you're mean, that can have a negative, that could be the last mean statement somebody can hear. It's not something you, you want to live with. So for now, I'll, that'll, that'll be my soapbox. And I'll let you guys talk a little bit. Well, I just kind of jump in because, um, first of all, um, Sometimes it's not always easy to see your kid struggling or know that your kid's struggling. They might not even say anything. Um, just to kind of use myself as an example. So I didn't find out until later into my uh, early 20s that I had major problems with anxiety. Um, and, and anxiety can lead to so much 
other, so many other issues. But now looking back, I can see so many signs, so many indications that are so clear. It's kind of like, how could I be so blind? But at the same time, the information wasn't as readily available 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago. So I think it's important that we keep building on that. Um, but I think of just being in, even at middle school, I can remember how anxious I would be all the time just about the silliest of things. I know middle school is a tough time anyway. To me, it's like the toughest time. It, for me, it was the toughest time growing up. But I know, um, you know, it's a lot of people would pro- may agree with that. Uh, with middle school but you know whether it was worrying if I mean this is going to sound silly but worrying if girls like me or and then even if a girl did like me I was so terrified to even ask them out or anything that I was afraid to say yes if I knew someone did like me Uh, and it was all anxiety driven and I, I just you know back then I had no no clue and the thing is um I, I not only was probably making my life more miserable um, at times, but I could also be hurting other people just because I'm living in this constant fear of anxiety or this constant state of anxiety. And then, you know, whether it's um, uh, getting short with someone or um, hurting someone's feelings because I you know, didn't want to date them or whatever it was. Uh, and maybe I'm being too narcissistic here, thinking that I have a big impact on people's lives. But um, you, but, you do. But you think about. It, I mean, that that can be devastating for people. And um, and I know it's all part of growing up, and it can help you get stronger. But basically, what ended up happening with me um, is I was just kind of li- living at this anxiety level for so long. You get used to it. Uh, until I got to a situation where I, I couldn't adapt very well. And, and then I started feeling disconnected from, uh, everything. And it almost just felt, uh, like I was in a surreal state. Um, and it was in, when I was actually, it was right after I finished up with, um, transitioning over to Ohio State and I just felt completely lost and it just completely got the best of me I you know thought I was losing my mind I just felt like a different person I I was I would avoid people um, like even just walking around whether it was at work or whatever I would just if I saw people coming I would just turn around and walk a different direction because I just I felt so uncomfortable with myself and so disconnected and no, no one really knew. I mean, I didn't tell anyone I was, I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. And I just thought I needed to kind of suck it up. And, uh, so I tried for a while and that didn't work. And eventually I did, you know, go to the doctor and, and, and get some help, um, with the family doctor and, uh, therapy and stuff like that and um, it did make a big difference to kind of help me understand it not that I still don't struggle with anxiety and things like that I mean um, you know I think 
to a certain extent, it's always going to be a part of my life, but it's, can I get better at, at handling? And I, I think I've put myself in a position where I've gotten better. Um, even though I, you know, I have my ups and downs still, but nothing compared to what it was at that one point. And like I said, you know, I mean, I was living at home. Mom and dad had no idea. Um, until later I told them and Tiffany kind of had an idea something wasn't right, but she didn't really know to the full extent. Uh, later she, and this is what I mean as you could hurt other people and not even really know it. She thought because I was so disconnected that maybe I was wanting to break up with her or something. And I mean, that wasn't the case. It had nothing to do with her. Like it was just, it was all me. It was all in my head. And, you know, it was just, Getting through that was a, was a tough, I mean, looking back now, you know, like I said, you can see so many signs and, oh, if I would have just noticed it earlier or whatever, but I didn't. Right. And, and so now I'm just, you know, at least I, I did get some help and was able to, to figure things out. And I just want to be honest with my kids about that kind of stuff and with anyone that I can be honest with about it that wants to know. Uh, anything um, about my experience with it because you know I I hadn't had anyone really tell me any experiences like that they've been through but then you find out about other people going through similar situations and it's like well you know we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it we shouldn't be afraid to say hey it's just like any other illness or problem that you run in and run into in your life you know you're gonna have these situations where you just need help you need you need someone to, to step in or um, and surround yourself with positivity and loved ones. And I mean, all that can help, but, but still, you know, sometimes you just you need something else. And uh, I definitely, uh, definitely had my bout with anxiety that I, I hope to never, I don't plan on getting back to that point ever again, but Sometimes I may go down a little bit, but I, I've never gotten that, that down since since then. Thank goodness. But um, yeah, I well, and one thing I will add is um, uh, this is going to sound maybe kind of sappy, actually. <laughs> um, but well, now sappy's okay. It's, right? it's fine. Now this is a yeah. serious episode. It's fine. <laughs> But one thing that resonated with me was um, it was an actual song that I heard um, just because I thought it really captured kind of the way I felt at the time. Uh, and it's actually a Jim Croce song, um, which I don't know. Jim Croce had like a year and a half of success before he died in his plane wreck, which makes me sad because I really like some Jim Croce songs. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the one that really connects with me is it's called New York's not my home. And it just kind of talks about, you know, the streets being crowded and just feeling basically disconnected is the idea. And that new he's living there and he's lived there, you know, a year and a half, but he just never felt at home. And it's kind of like, I mean, even though uh, I didn't live at OSU for a year and a half, but that's kind of what it felt like. I just felt completely disconnected. Well, and, um, I don't, I don't. I don't want to take Marcus's time away. I know he wants to I'm sure say some things too. Um, 
but as you're you were talking about that you know like you said mom and dad didn't know mom and dad didn't know about me and um you know and when you said things that about you being disconnected and Tiffany not knowing and maybe feeling like you wanted to break up with her and stuff. You know, it was it was hard on on our marriage when I went through that period, and it's hard now because sometimes sometimes like you said, I'll I'll get down a little bit, and that's when I rely on on Karen to tell me, hey, look, here's what's what's going on because I I'm seeing some similarities, I'm seeing some stuff happening, and. Mm-hmm. and you know, we're we're doing our therapy, and her and I, and and it's going really well, and, and we're getting along really well, I think, for the most part. I, I still irritate her, but huh. some of that's just because that's just me. But, You're supposed to, right? Um, but I I do hope that she knows how how much I love her and and how much I respect her and um, how thankful I am for her because without her. To, to even though it was hard on us, like I said, the fact that she was there for that time period and helped me get through that. I mean, it it was it was hard, and without her, I don't know. You know, you, you just don't know how bad it would have gotten. So I owe her a lot, and you know, I will spend the rest of my life trying to show that to her, but. It, it well, and does make a difference when somebody can help love you through it, I guess. Oh, absolutely. And I think I've been pretty fortunate. Um, sorry, Marcus, we're just boxing you out here. But uh, I think I've been pretty fortunate to like have the family that I've had. I mean, if I, if I hadn't had that support and love, loving environment, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I would have done anything stupid, but I mean, you just, you don't know. I mean, what circumstances may create, uh, different circumstances may create. And, you know, yeah, like you said, I mean, I was lucky too. I mean, Tiffany has always been a solid presence in my life, thankfully. Um, it's helped me through a lot of different ups and downs. So, I mean, for that, yeah, you know. What do you say? I mean, there's not much you can really, no way to really repay that other than just try to be there for him. I, I am glad that, I, I know when I was going through some of that, where I was at my lowest, I, I, I call it my lowest. Um, I remember like exercise is something that's always been key for me. So like, it helps kind of mellow me out a little bit. And I remember obviously exercising, but then I would want to, and Marcus, you, you, I know you remember the game, but this is about the time we started playing our game called boundary ball. Yeah. And it's, it was a lot of running and that's what I needed. I needed to just get out there, have something to take my mind off of something for a while and just, you know, have a little bit of fun if I could. Right. And I mean, Marcus, you had no idea what I was going through, but, but just you being there for that was actually important. And I, I think that's an important message too, is you might not know all the answers. You might not be able to help them specifically uh, with their problem, but if you can be there for that person, if you can just 
be some kind of support for that person. I mean, you have no idea what kind of impact that might make. Um, it's it's huge, and you know, if and if you know obviously that someone's struggling and, and to try to help them with resources and things like that, that's invaluable as well. But also just being there for the person. I mean, that's sometimes uh, just a big a big help for people going through stuff like that. You're right, and I think it's you don't you don't always have to know what somebody's going through to help them get through. Mm. And I think that's a big thing to remember too. You don't have to know all the details. Sometimes you just, just doing what you do helps them get through. Mm. And, and that's all you need to know sometimes. So don't, if, if you're helping somebody that's struggling, don't think they've got to include you. And the fact they're not including you is anything, you know, at this point, it is not about the person helping or the, it's about the person that's hurting. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's hard for people to realize that because it's always, I think it's easy for for humans to somehow make it about them, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not. So sorry, Marcus, I'll I'll let you you go for a while if you want to. Oh no, you're fine. I I just <laughs> kind of to hit on that um, about you know people trying to help others in need. Um, I think sometimes the misconception is is. In order, in order to help someone who, who's asking for help, is to kind of downplay what they're having. Um, you know, I, I remember when I first had mine my senior year, because I've had two two bouts that are, are with depression that are kind of I won't say memorable is the right word, but that that stick out. Uh, one was my senior year, um, and I had it, it was around winter time. And anytime it seems like you try to tell someone how you feel during that time of, of year, it just gets categorized immediately seasonal. as seasonal. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it's just seasonal. As soon as spring comes around, you'll be okay. It's, and and that's that's what it gets played to. It's, it's like, I, I'm trying to reach out to you now because I have already reached a point where I feel like I need to ask a friend, just telling me that it's seasonal and that I'll I'll be fine after a couple months. If it was that simple, then I wouldn't have reached out to begin with. Right. What sticks out to me when when someone does try to reach out is people have this thing of, well, let me try to help you fix it by downplaying what you actually have. Right. So if someone if someone does, you know, tell you, hey, I have problems you know, listen to them and be there for them, but also, you know, don't try to downplay it and try to make them feel better. It's a lot of times, you know, when people did it to me, it just makes me feel worse. Like, oh, well, I'm, I shouldn't, I shouldn't worry about it. Or I, I it, it's nothing serious. It's, you know, and, but am I, but personally, I know that it was serious and I was having the thoughts and, and, you know, things to, to finally reach a breaking point to where I was just just done and I needed to tell tell people what was going on. Um, and then, and you know, that was the one in high school. Um, the one for me that was the, the scariest one for me um, was when um, I, I would say it was about eight months before the wedding 
when I when I was finally having a um, kind of a breakdown, um, where I was kind of in a weird place because I was just getting ready to get married, um, and I I didn't know how to tell anybody about what I was going through because I didn't want you know when people say, oh, it's just because you're nervous about the wedding or how do you feel about it? So it's, it's like, I, I just tried to grin and bear it when, you know, it was, it was affected me and, and everything I was doing, I was grumpy and, and not the same person. And, you know, trying to, you know, having, having Ava a two-year-old and being grumpy all the time is not something that you want to be when you have a baby. It was, Something that you know really it, it it's one of those where I I saw what I was doing and it, ups, it upset me to the point or it upset me how I was acting, but I felt like sometimes I had no control of it and I didn't know what to do be, just because of the whole situation leading up to the wedding. I did I didn't know what to do. Um, I should have spoke out earlier, but it was just one of those where um, at the time. Once again, thinking about my senior years, like, oh, it's just seasonal and, and you'll get over it. I was trying to hope that if I just kept quiet and pretended to be as happy as I could, that yeah, I'd get over it. And it just, it just didn't really happen that way. And I mean, I, we got, I had the wedding, we got married and yeah, I was happy those days and um, everything and it was perfect. But then, you just get right back into that wall. You just, sometimes you just can't seem to dig yourself out. And that's no matter how hard you try or how, how much you try to talk yourself into being happy and like, Oh, I got a, you know, a beautiful family. I got a stable job. You know, I, I got things and, you know, we might not have, we don't have the most money in the world, but we're never worried about if we have food in the, in the cabinets or anything. So it's, one of those where on paper you should be happy and you should be grateful for everything you have, but you know, mentally and physically you're just kind of drained and don't understand why you're not happy. And right. I know, I know when I went to the doctor and I got on the medication and um, I went to see the, the counselor, um, basically what you have, Mikey, with the anxiety is, is what I have. Like I, you know, one of the things that, Basically, he called me a worry word. Um, everything that was outside of my control is what I worried about, you know, and, and not not myself. It, it, it's about, you know, it was about Jennifer and it still is, but then it, it became really bad with Ava, you know, even to the point of like, you know, how's it going to be when she finally gets to school? Is, is she going to be, you know, like you talked about, you know, accepted? How, how are people going to treat her? What's her school life? You know, when we go on vacation, do we go on a plane? Because going on a plane is outside my control. And if it goes down, you know, that, that just thinking about those things and the feelings I have, like, really, really upset me and get to me to the point where it just, I just, I said we're not going on vacation and like if we go on vacation we're going to drive i'm not i want to fly like i just i would try to put everything i could inside of my control so that i could feel a false sense of happiness or or control i guess at that point right that makes sense that makes sense and 
Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there if you were still talking, Marcus. All right. Um, there's well, there's a couple things I wanted to I wanted to hit on too. Was to go back to to you, Mike. I didn't realize that you sh were struggling. And when we were playing softball together, the first time I realized it was when you had the beard. And at that point, uh, I think a couple of us said you kind of looked like the Unabomber or something. Oh, right. With your beard. And, and that really impacted you. Yeah. And, and I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, then I found out that it did. And I thought, man, right. I'm, you know, we're a-hole. But... <laughs> The, the problem, you don't know, that's yeah. why I was saying, you don't know what you're saying can right. affect somebody or how. And and even what Marcus was saying about, I, I, I called it down or I wrote down, out-probleming you. People will try to out-problem you. You're like, right, well, exactly. oh, so you went, to, when you do talk to it, you try to open up. Oh, you're depressed. Well, why are you depressed? Because just last week, I lost my aunt, my dog ran away, and I got right. a mouth infestation. So what do you have to be upset about? And they that's do that right. too to rich people all the time yeah. or famous people when they'll come out and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And then people yeah. are like, what do you got to worry about? You got all the money in the world. It's right. not about the money. And yeah. it's, it, it's no, I mean, it's that just baffles me. And then I, I know there are also, there were times that, that I was not intentionally, but there were probably times I was deterred to mom and dad. And, and I tried to apologize to them as much as I can. Um, <laughs> and let them know that I think they are amazing parents and I don't think there could be better parents ever on the earth and you know how much I love them and respect them and look up to, to both of them. And I, I want them to know that. Um, but, and, and that I'm sorry for when I was a kid and a teenager and I'd give them a hard time or I would, you know, I'm sorry. And that's all I can say. And, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to say it's okay and they forgive yeah. you, but yeah. I, th I think you still want to you want to tell them that. And I have a couple more things to say, and then I'll yield the floor to you guys because <laughs> <laughs> this, this is just a topic that's near and dear to, to my heart. Um, and like you were saying with the boundary ball and exercise, the exercise, medication, eating, eating healthy, and, and getting sleep at night. Yeah. Those are the most important things that anybody can go through or do right. when they're struggling. And it sounds silly, but it's, it is absolutely true. And you will not find any expert or doctor that would disagree with those four things. Um, there, I have, and I, I've tried to, I've talked to somebody in uh, Senator Sherrod Brown's office about this. I actually had a meeting with them one time and, um, uh, because I have a I have a thought or a plan that I think that would help try to catch these kids that are falling through the cracks. It's you know the kids that are going into schools and, and taking a gun to school or threatening to blow schools up and all that. And then people want to know why or how they can do that. Well, it's because they are not getting help that they needed, and they're probably showing signs, but they don't know how to get it. Um, there are kids that have been bullied and they've got nowhere to turn and this is the last chance they got. So I, I think, I think there is a way 
like I said, to try to help catch this stuff. And it's, I relate it back to, I don't know if Mikey, if you've had this with your kids so much, but it's called air testing. Mm. And so like, there's a whole, you know, it's a whole huge deal and there'll be a week or so of school that they put off to the side for these kids to take tests. And so schools figure out how they get funding and, and all of these things. So my thought is there, there is a test that a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or like Ohio state or children's hospital one day, it would take one day, maybe three hours of the day. You can give, you can give this like hundred questionnaire hundred question questionnaire to a kid. They take it. The results are all anonymous. The only person that's going to see it is that psychiatrist or somebody that works for them. And it just asks questions to the kid for them to answer honestly, and they'll answer it honestly. And then when you look at it, if you see red flags that, Hey, this kid might have, might have some form of autism. He might have anxiety. He might have this. He might, he might be suffering from this. He's struggling. Then you can address it. Then you can address it with the parents. You can get the counselor involved. You can do that to try to help. And it's, if you can do that when they start, you know, young, now you've got a baseline for that test. Mm-hmm. So even if you do it every other year, right? Um, I think you should do it every year. But if you do it the next year and you compare the results, and if they're within the same parameters, great. But if they're off, why are they off and where are they off? And now right. what, how can we help them? I, 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 but I cannot get anybody to even try to talk to me about that. School boards won't talk to you because the only thing schools are cared about are grades. Period. Well, they care about those tests because of funding. Right. And that's a, I mean, that's a whole other issue. I think the standardized tests have a whole... The focus on them is way misdirected. I and the the pressure that these kids feel for these tests when they're in like the third grade is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah and I'm not. Is. I mean, I'm not saying we have to coddle kids and we give them trophies for everything and all that stuff. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like these kids are in third grade. Their brains aren't even close to being fully developed, and we're putting all this pressure on them that's creating all these negative hormones with cortisol i mean we know a kid specifically that basically had depression because of these tests this kid was a really smart kid straight a student but they were so worried about these tests so i mean it's just i don't know i i agree i think they should do they could implement something like that and they also need to shift the focus man i mean i i think you went about it the right way although it doesn't seem to have um exactly landed but but at least it's a start and maybe that's where it has to continue i don't know well what what they told me in senator brown's office and they were the the person who met with me was really nice and and helpful but what she said was you know the the government in washington washington dc sorry is designed to be slow yeah, she said. So you're not going to yeah. get anywhere trying to do it that way. You've got to start small scale, <clears throat> right, and let it expand out. Now right. the problem is 
nobody small scale wants to do it. Right. No, nobody wants to help me take this bull by the horns and try to get in front of this, you know, moving train. Yeah. It's just, I get ignored. So, you know, if, if anybody is listening and to, to this and you have somebody or you are somebody that has any kind of input on, on stuff for the school, um, any school actually, and you want to, to try to help, let's, let's help, let's do something. And, I think and the governor follows our podcast, I think. Yeah, I don't absolutely. See, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw him on there. I, I think it's the verified check mark one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think there's that. And then there's there. I, I used to, and I'm sure everybody does it. When, when you see somebody walking down the street and they're just talking to themselves out loud and, and you know, they're spaced out or, or whatever, sometimes people would laugh at them and you want to poke fun at them and, and make a scene and, and stuff. And I, I think to me, I've learned that not all the time, but I'll say at least half they're suffering from some condition that they don't have help for. And if it's, if they're homeless or they, they got hooked on drugs, you know, all of that could be secondary to what they're suffering from and they just can't get any help. Unexcusable or inexcusable, whatever the proper term is. In this day and age, in this country, that there are people out there that just don't have a place they can go to to just start getting help. They don't know. And I, I think I think that's atrocious. And mm-hmm. I think if there's not a bigger oversight in our solar system, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there, there's there's got to be a way to help people whether they're homeless or on drugs and all that stuff. Um, And there was always a song from, from Mark Wills, I believe it's don't laugh at me. And I would always, cause you mentioned songs earlier, Mikey. Um, Don't laugh at me by Mark Wills is one of my favorite songs of all time. And it, it just kind of goes through all those emotions of, you know, you don't know anything about me yet. You want to pick on me and pick me last. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the street, but, but it's because some drunk crossed the line and killed my wife and kids. So, right. you know, yet you're laughing at me because I'm holding a sign. Um, and then there's a song that I have my moments by Emerson, Emerson drive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That, that one's an amazing song. It's powerful. Um, so if anybody needs a couple songs to listen to, you know, the, the song Mikey mentioned and, and those two and whatever Marcus has, but uh, I would really like for somebody that, that has the sway to help for, you know, let's help get some testing done in schools. It, it, well, it'll take less than a couple hours. Yeah. And I kind of, a um, couple of things, if I can jump in, if that's all right. We're still not letting Marcus start. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I forgot what I was trying to say too, with that song is, so I put it on my playlist and anytime it comes up, I try to, uh, mention it or like, you know, just so my kids know, I'll just say, Hey, you know, this is why this song resonates to me. I was going through something where I felt kind of disconnected and this kind of helped me through. I just want you to know that like, I've been through stuff. Like you can talk to me, I hope. Um, not that it's always easy to open up, but, um, 
that that's one reason I kind of, I mean, songs can be powerful because of the connection, but they can also open up communication, I think. And then to, I mean, this is a whole nother topic that could probably take a whole podcast, but um, to get back to, to bullying a little bit. Um, so, I mean, I had my moments when I razzed a couple of my buddies and too far, and I probably shouldn't have. Um, and one in particular I feel bad about, um, I mean, I'm not going to say specifically the name just because some of the people listening to this may know the person, but, um, me and a, another friend came up with a nickname and I, I don't even remember which one of us came up with it, but we just kind of started calling this person that nickname. That just, I, I mean, it wasn't meant to be, um, out of malice or anything like that. It was just, you know, we thought it was funny. And we, we started calling this person, and, and that nickname stuck um, all through school. And, I mean, some people still call this person that. And, I mean, I don't know if it bothers that person, but I I feel bad that I even had any part in it. Um, and, you know, I also, because of my anxiety, sometimes I would let, like, um, not that I would say I got bullied, but um, because if anyone got physical with me, I mean, I wouldn't let that happen. I mean, I would, but I think there were situations where people would say things and I would just kind of hope to avoid it and hope it would go away. Um, but I remember one in particular um, when I was actually a sophomore. So, I mean, I was, I was relatively older, but I was on the varsity baseball team and um, you know, at the time I just, I, I'm so anxious about everything, just trying to fit in. It was just me and this other sophomore and it was, it was just hard to fit in. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I, I felt like an outcast. I was still growing, you know, I was still awkward. Right. Um, so like, uh, I'm on the varsity baseball team and like the star player on the team, you know, he basically, it was, it actually is kind of a funny name now that I look back. Um, as far as in, in what it was referencing, because what he was referencing was um, a skit on Saturday Night Live where it was called the ambiguously gay duo or whatever. And at the time I was fairly dorky. And so um, he basically just started saying, you know, call me gay Mike or whatever like that. And uh, at the time I just kind of let it go. I was like, yeah, hopefully it'll, yeah, what are you going to do? over, you know, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I was tiny, but that shouldn't have stopped. I mean, I, I didn't need to make it physical. I could have just tried to stick up, and I didn't. So, actually, i kind of more mad at myself than I am at even the name that I didn't say something. Um, but, it, uh, you know, like, and, and I'm sure that guy probably didn't mean to hurt me just like I didn't mean to hurt that other guy when I came up with his nickname. And it was something just small, you know. But man, did that cause me some some kind of sleepless nights, you know, worrying like, is this gonna stick forever? Like, what's and not that there's anything wrong with being gay, but you know, 20, 25 years ago, almost whatever. I mean, it was a little different as far as um, that was a more of a derogatory thing. Um, again. I, who cares what my sexual orientation was? It was none right. of his business, really. But um, 
but at the time for a kid that's just trying to fit in it was tough man i didn't know you know i didn't know how to handle it and and it's still i mean it still sticks with me like i'm still not happy about it but i'm like i said i'm more mad about myself that i didn't do anything about it um and uh so then i kind of think well maybe it was like like my situation where you know i mean this this kid seemed to embrace our nickname to a certain extent but maybe he just did it out of survival like i don't know um so i you know i've made i guess i've made mistakes going both ways i just wish i would have been smarter but i guess you know at some point you just have to try to learn and try to get better and share experiences so other people can learn i i don't know i mean that's that's really um you know the ship has sailed as far as that stuff had happened so long ago but uh you know it just if not that i would want to redo anything because i feel like i my life's worked out pretty well for me but if there are little things I could go back and change, like, you know, some people will say, Oh, I wish right. I could go back and play. If coach would just put me in. We'd have gone state, you know, <laughs> I got, right. I would just hit the weights harder. You know, like I could have, like, I, I don't care about that. Like, and now looking back, I'm like, who really cares about sports? Like, I mean, it was everything to me. I wish I wouldn't have cared so much about it. It was like every, it seemed like everything to me was sports when I was in school and it made no sense. But, um, because I was nowhere near good enough to do anything, so. Oh, you were good. Stupid. Yeah, stupid though. I mean, I. But the thing is, I I wasn't right in my head. I mean, my anxiety was so bad. I would be so nervous during games. It was ridiculous. Like, I couldn't even enjoy it. I would dwell on all the negative so much that I couldn't even enjoy the positive at all. And so, looking back, I'm like, man, it just made me miserable. I don't even know why I did it. But, uh, but to be honest. Um, if I, all that to say, I wouldn't go back to, to do any of that over again, but I would change little things like that. Maybe little impacts I had on people, little things that maybe I should have stood up for myself in that situation a little differently. I mean, I had people attempt, because I wasn't, I was always kind of scrawny. I mean, I worked out even in school. I mean, I would do, Chuck, you know, I did push-ups yeah. like, like they were every night I was doing like 300 pushups. I mean, I was, oh, yeah. was crazy. So I might hurt my back. Um, but, uh, but I was scrawny. I could do pushups all day long. It didn't matter. I mean, I didn't weigh anything. And so I'd have people try stuff and I, you know, I would stand up for myself and if it got physical, I would do whatever I had to do. But it's what, what seemed to make the bigger impact was the, was the stuff like that, like the kind of emotional stuff, kind of reflecting on what you're saying about the, we didn't have social media necessarily, but you know, there are still ways kids find ways to be socially. And I, I was not innocent, you know, like I said, I, I did stupid stuff too. Um, I just, I don't know. It's part of growing up, I guess, not to excuse it, not to condone it. But, well, and I think, sorry to be. No, that's okay. That's, that was pretty much it. <laughs> so I think it, it, the reflection upon, things that happen and, and not just not just positive not not positive so to speak but to where we are the victim you know sometimes we were the assailant so to speak yeah and 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 when but being able to reflect on that and say you know what i was wrong and now that you've admitted 
you know, not you in particular, but once somebody comes to that realization that what I did in that situation was wrong, now I might not be able to fix that, but how can I be better going forward? Right. And what do I do? So you teach your kids, right? Teach right. my kids to, to be better. And, and when we coach, the players we coach, we're not making fun of them. We're trying to make sure they're part right. of it. They just want to be part of a team, right? This might be their only shot. So, um, I mean, it's it's things like that. Is is if if we were the ones that were wrong, how can we try to make sure going forward, it's it's a little better for people. Yeah, because and even if we're talking about the mental health and being there for people, I mean, I can even think of a time, uh, you know, at our high school, Chuck Marcus, you you know this, um, you know, drugs and alcohol and stuff like that was prevalent, man. I mean, it was. Uh, we had, you know, football players doing cocaine in school uh, that that I knew about. I mean, I wasn't there, but I would, you know, you get the information from the person that was doing the cocaine with them. So I, I knew it was pretty legit. But um, I, I do wish, looking back, that I would have been there maybe for some of those friends that had drug problems or whatever problems. Well, and I think that. That's a good point because I know almost five years, five years ago today, um, I had a friend commit suicide um, from depression. Um, you know, when you get to school and high school and stuff, you kind of drift apart from your elementary school friends. And when you graduate, you drift apart from some of your friends and stuff. But, um, you know, you never want to get up and get on her Facebook feed and see someone saying in loving memory of someone that, you know, I played T-ball with, I played football with, um, had class with, spent the night at his house, spent the night at my house, we tried to football practice together. Um, you know, that that's a hard, a hard pill to swallow. Cause you know, you know, you were friends with him and, if you had stayed in contact, maybe a little bit more, you know, it, it maybe you could have done something different or helped or something could have turned out different. I mean, you know, I, I know my friend that um, had things that was obviously going on that was outside of my control, but like I said that's a hard one. You know, he's he was at the time, you know, 23 years old, yeah. um, you know, was in the military and and things like that and you know on facebook and social media that you know we took we talk about social media being a site for bullying but social media can also be a place where people can can give false you know personas about themselves social media is a place where you can be unhappy but on, on social media everybody thinks you have a perfect life um so with social media, it's gotten even harder to to control the bullying, but also find the people that that truly need the help and and try to be there for them. I mean, it's like I said to be 23 and, and and I've had my struggles and I've had my thoughts. And luckily, you know, I, I knew I was never at a point where I was going to do anything, but to imagine being to a point where you actually do something for me is, is hard to, hard to, I won't say hard to fathom. Like I said, I had the thoughts and things, but 
hard to understand to go through with it, like I said, and, and leave leave all the loved ones behind for whatever reason it may be. You, you don't feel loved. You don't feel heard. The torture and hopelessness that these people have to feel is, you just, it breaks your heart. It just, it, it does. I, I know in my friend's case, you know, I, I really, I feel knowing, knowing him that, you know, he was a very likable guy, um, you know, emotional, but, you know, very, very nice guy. And I, I feel, if, and I don't know if he reached out to you. So we, we, drifted apart after high school um but if he reached out or if he did reach out did he reach out to the right people you know what what could have been different i mean you know monday was memorial day and i drove past granny's gravesite and that's when i i, I drove past his because it was pretty much right on that, that same strip as hers and it's I just look at it and think about all the stuff we did together and and all the stuff that you know, he had a whole life left to live and now it's gone. It's sad to lose lose anybody and it's you know I'm not just trying to say it's sad to lose him but you know that was that was one of my best friends in school so that that's that's hard. Um, it's hard to you know look back and think what you could have done but like Chuck said. You know what? What can you do in the future um, to still be there for people that you might not even talk to? Still, yeah, it's just it's it's a hard thing to catch, especially in today's world too. Um, with the false stuff in social media, you see it all the time on on people's YouTube talking about it. How you know people will take false pictures with cars and things, and everybody thinks they're doing great, and you know which. So for my friend, I, I felt that was true. If you got on social media, everything, and no one wants to post bad things on Facebook, but when you get on there, you're like, man, this guy had a, a really great time and great life. Like, why why would he want to do it? You're right. Well, and you know, and, I, and I still go back to what I would love to see happen with the schooling and, and doing that test and, and trying to because and I'm not saying that would save anybody that that is out of school or any of that but oh I don't see why we can't do it even in workplaces well that's a good point too um, and then I thought about you know I know people are going to say well there's going to be people who don't take these things seriously well if your only excuse not to do this is that you're afraid more of the people that won't take it seriously than the people that do? We have another set of problems because if we can if we can catch and save one kid, but five kids didn't take it seriously, we'll be able to figure that out once because once you look at those results and you pull those five kids in and say, okay, what's going on? And then you realize, okay, this was a farce to them, which some kids will. You you know, some kids are going to do it, but that doesn't stop them from doing those air tests either because some kids don't take that seriously. So. You know, it's but you're trying you're trying to save who you can save. And I think that's that's a thing. But and I think doing it at a workplace is not a bad idea yet either. And that could be an online thing. Keep it like completely confidential too, where it's not like 
uh, it's not even a part of like it's complete third party where it's not right. It's not measured. It's not known at all by your employer. So that, that way it can't, you know, people won't worry about, won't worry about it being held against them for promotions or whatever, but it would just be like, no, we want to, we want to, we care. We want to get people help that might need it. And if it takes a third party completely separate from the company to, to take these results and then look at them and say, Hey, are you, you know, let's, let's do some follow up with this, with this person. Um, then, then maybe that would be a good thing. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, well, and I, I think some of that too is, you know, some, most works now offer that to lower your insurance, go see a doctor, go see, yeah. go get a checkup every year. I mean, make it, make it a part of that. Make it, Hey, if you want to get so much money off, you know, take this test, right? Take, take a mental health test and send it to the doctor. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to be going to work, but you fill it out, you take it to a doctor and the doctor signs off on it. Yeah. Something as simple as that, where the work never has to have contact yeah. with it, but yeah. you're filling it out. You're getting something out of it. So you're going to take it seriously because it's going to lower your, you're going to lower your, you know, monthly, monthly payments for insurance. Right. And, you turn it in and if you have something, if you want to lie, it, and, and the thing is, is people, like you said, people are going to lie. And some people who aren't ready for help are, I mean, you, you can fake those tests. You, you can fake it to, to make yourself, like, I'm happy no matter what the situation is right. and you fill it out. And, you know, you're not going to reach those people until they're ready to be reached. That's exactly it, right. It's just one of those things. But at some point, you're going to find someone that's ready to be reached and is going to fill that out honestly. And when they turn it in, that's the icebreaker to say, I need help. Some people can't just come out to someone and say, I need help. They need something to help push it or help break the ice in a, a, an answer form like that, where you're turning it in, where they're just going to look at it, evaluate it and say, okay, well, these are most of the questions I'm going to ask you. You need help. And now we can talk about what we're going to do to make you feel better well and i think too the the thing is two thoughts on this is is one it can't be a money issue because then you're putting a price on somebody's life right you can't say well it's costing us a hundred thousand dollars to do this test i don't know how much it would be but but it it doesn't matter because if you save one person you can't tell me that their life's not worth a hundred thousand dollars to their family yeah so so you know there's that and then i know the other one will somebody will probably say, well, there's, there's all these things set up that people can reach out and get the help if they want to. Well, the problem is, especially I know from my experience, I didn't want to reach out. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I don't, I didn't want to have to reach out to somebody or something or go somewhere to get, to get any help. One, yeah. because I didn't realize I was struggling as much as I was. Right. So if there's, if there's a questionnaire, you know, I would like to think I would go, I'm going to answer it honestly. And that once I got to the doctor, I answered his questions, honestly, why wouldn't I do it on this test? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it can't be one of those things either where they try to pawn it off onto the person that's struggling. Well, and to, to that point, one part of depression is, is the, the loneliness and the hopelessness. So if you're feeling, if you're feeling that way, how, why, why are you going to think, okay, it's time to reach out now? Right. right. You're, going to say, you're going to think it's not going to matter. It, yeah. right. If you're feeling now lonely and hopeless, 
you're going to feel that way, you know, when you first get it or when you're thinking about reaching out, it's like, well, what's the point? What's it going to do for me? Why am I going to waste my time? Right. It's just a part of the, and, and I guess no one that's ever had it's not going to know the thought process that goes with it or, or how it affects you. It's, it's one of the sad things until, until someone goes through it or knows someone that has gone through it and sees what it can do. Like my friend, you know, who's no longer here to see what, what it can do, what depression and mental health can do. They're not going to get it. And until it happens to you, it's, or in some people's eyes, until it happens to them or someone they know, it's not going to, it's going to be out of sight, out of mind. Right. And, and you know, to the people that it doesn't matter to, and they take the test or like the test, they answer the questions and everything's fine. Then great. But don't dog it because one day it's going to be either you or somebody you love that that test saves their life. Not oh. test. That questionnaire saves their life. Yep. And and then all of a sudden, it's just like everything else. You know, everybody can make an excuse for everything until they need it. And then and then it changes. Well, what's more important than mental health? we got to do something, but I'm hitting walls every time I try to, to go somewhere and get somebody to talk to me about it. So well, first hopefully all, somebody listening. We're three idiots. Right. So that doesn't bode well for, uh, <laughs> for, uh, being the, uh, you know, leader of change. Right. But, right. um, yeah, I, no, I, I was just kidding, but I mean, well, once again, the leaders of change are always people who are very popular, rich and powerful that, depression has affected them in some way you, you don't i hate to say this because it, it it makes us it makes everybody sound like they don't care about it and i know some people who don't have it or know anybody you know do care about mental health but you never see anybody that hasn't been affected by it come out and and be there and be the voice it's always someone that's been affected by it is the one that comes out as so and until enough of those people come out, I, you you won't every you know we can do what we're doing and everybody can do what they're doing and we'll continue to try to help and be there and, and try to make change. But it's also got to come from people above us as well. You're right, and it's you know it's no difference than you know everybody always stresses go get cancer screenings and go get your yearly physical and te- mm-hmm. you know make sure your physical body. Well, why isn't the mental? Right. Equally, if not more important than, than all that other stuff. So yeah. anyway, I know we've been at this for a long time, fellas. So Yeah, we might want to close it down here. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up on two hours. So I did have a final thought this time, so I was just gonna jump right in before I lost. Oh yes. Yeah. Do it, do it. <laughs> uh I just wanted to say I know this, you know I don't know if we've mentioned it too much on this podcast, but we're going through this whole quarantine with the COVID and the uh the pandemic. I want to say that it's not been fun. I feel bad for all those that are going through hardship because of this. And maybe, you know, they're not getting paid or whatever the issue is. They're out of work right now. But one thing that I've come to appreciate more, I hope, is time with my family. I mean, I know... You know, being in this situation, you don't have much choice because you're at home most of the time. But I try to reflect on it and think about counting my blessings, about how lucky I am. Um, I know we've 
this whole podcast has been about struggles, but at the same time, you know, I've gone through things, but man, I've had a, I've had a pretty, pretty great life. And I'm really lucky with the family. I have the kids, wife, and I've, I think that this pandemic and quarantine has helped me realize that more. Um, it's helped me hopefully grow as a person, but also in my faith as well. Just the fact that certain things are out of our control and, you know, we just have to put our love and trust in God and, and show our families how much we love them. Um, hopefully be encouraged by some of the positive messages that have come out of this about people caring for people. I second that. I think that is spot on. And so if I have a final thought for the, for this podcast in particular, it's again, be kind, try to pay attention to those you're close to because you probably know them better than they know them. Um, and be there and be kind. I think that's that's what I would leave you with. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you both said it. Um, it's just, you know, listen to what others have to say. You know, don't don't just assume you know what they're going through um, or, or what they've been through. And um, like Chuck said, try to one up them. Just just listen sometimes. You know, that's that's the best thing you can do. Um, you know, just be there, be there for somebody and, and try to help through this. You know, like like you said, this time with the pandemic and everything. And, you know, luckily, you know, we have a great family and all three of us have tried to be there for for mom and dad and each other and and try to help us all through through this time. So, um, like I said, you know, that that's what this pandemic has showed me is that, you know, even if we can't be in the same vicinity as together, that we're still going to try to be there you know, to help each other out or, or be there for mom and dad so they can be as safe as possible. And, um, like I said, you know, luckily we, we have that going for us no matter what happens. Visit our website at 3ibpodcasting.buzzsprout.com or email us at 3ibpodcast at gmail.com. And that is the number three.